Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I'm a certified financial planner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. In this week's show, we're going to look at the stock market as well as expectations that clients have of their financial planners. We're also going to look at the recent legislation or executive orders that President Trump signed over the weekend. In the Plan Your Prosperity section, we're going to look into education funding And finally, in the Ask Peggy section, we're going to look at some above-the-line charitable contributions that didn't exist last year. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears market, an economic update, and this is market data for the week that ended August 7th. And the market continues to perform very well. In five days, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went up 3.8%. The S&P 500 went up just under 2.5%, as did the NASDAQ. Gold even went up 2.61%, and West Texas Intermediate Crude went up 2.89%. The 10-year Treasury yield continues to fall. It went down another 2.31%, and even the exchange-traded fund AGG that tracks an aggregate bond index went down a tenth of a percent. So it's really unusual for the bond yield to go down and the price of a bond fund to go down at the same time, but this week it happened. The dollar was just marginally higher this week, up 0.04%. Remember, one of the reasons why the dollar is the currency of the world, the reserve currency that people like to use, is because it doesn't change a lot in value. So you shouldn't be surprised when week over week we don't see major moves in the dollar. That's a good thing. You want your currency to be relatively stable. So if you're a frequent listener to the show, you know that this isn't a show talking about the latest hot stock or what you should buy. Instead, it's a show that bases around financial planning. However, most people still, when they work with a financial advisor or a financial planner, primarily think that the engagement is going to be about the stock market. There was a study that just came out by the research group Spectrum, and it was looking at communication between advisors and clients and what sorts of things the clients were expecting the advisors to talk about. And no real surprise, investments was the number one topic that clients expected their advisors to talk about. It was the number one topic above everything else, and it was um, also in the top five by a fairly decent margin. 
So you would expect it to be something that people would be interested in. I'm always just a tiny bit disappointed when I see data like this because it shows that um, it shows that people really are still very stock centric, even when they're coming to a financial planner. Now, when you go down and you actually look at the rest of those top five, income generation during retirement. So how do you have enough income in retirement was a fairly close second to investments. And I like that because that's more of a financial planning topic. Also, interestingly, current economic events and their impact on my wealth was number three. And the reason I think that's interesting, I don't think it's surprising because I can't imagine right now people not wondering about everything that's going on and how it will impact their bottom line. That's one reason why every week I have a legislative update and we try to talk about current events. But I do think that it should show the financial world that the clients expect them to be engaged and informed and to understand what's going on. And then number four was almost tied with number five, which was estate planning and then finally life stage information. So estate planning is easy to understand. Life stage information, I'm assuming, is talking about how as people get older, their financial needs change, the amount of risk that they might want to take changes. But I thought they were really interesting topics. Everything else was fairly minor, but those top five, the investments was about 78%. It looks like income generated during retirement was about 76. They were both well over 70 um, and a little bit less than 80. But the current economic events was just a little under 70. And then estate and life stage were both at about 50. Remember, financial planning looks at your entire life. So that even if you're thinking right now about wondering how your portfolio is doing and how are the returns, there's, there's nothing wrong with being concerned about that. The investments are the vehicle. Financial planning contextualizes the investments as the way that we generate the wealth to create the plan in many cases. Unless you've inherited money, unless you have somehow acquired a large amount of money through something else, most people have most of their wealth tied up in investments if they're trying to save large sums of money for retirement. So I think it's important to always look at investments in the context of the plan. When you look at investments in the context of the plan, it helps you kind of modify investment expectations. It tends to stop you from chasing the latest fad, which sometimes that's fine, but sometimes that can get you into a lot of trouble. So I think that it's interesting, not surprising, that investments are what clients worry about the most, but I think it's up to the financial planners to help them put it into the bigger picture, which is actually making sure that your financial life is where it needs to be. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update 
of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today, I would like to talk about the executive actions taken by President Trump yesterday. I'm actually taping this on Sunday. When he was at his Bedminster Golf Resort, and he made an announcement that he wanted to take executive action because Congress couldn't come to a decision. You may be aware that Congress has been going back and forth trying to create an additional stimulus package to provide coronavirus relief for people who are still unemployed, for people who are in financial difficulty, but it's been very difficult for the two sides to come to an agreement. And apparently there's actually more than two sides. There's people who want to do a very generous benefit package. There's people who don't want to do any benefit package. There's people in the middle, and these three factions in Congress between the House and the Senate haven't been able to come up with any kind of a final deal. So yesterday, President Trump said he was going to take some actions on his own. And the actions that he took were to enhance unemployment benefits, to stop evictions, to continue to suspend student loan payments, and to do a deferral of payroll taxes. So let's look at those in a little bit more detail. To start out with, the enhanced unemployment benefits would be $400 additionally a week, rather than the $600 that had been in effect until about a week ago. Now, $300 of the unemployment benefit would come from the federal government while the state governments would be responsible for the last 100. So rather than getting an extra 600, you would get 400, but it would come from two different sources. There hasn't been a lot of discussion yet about how the states would be required to pay the additional $100 per unemployed individual. Right now, it looks more like some general ideas with some details that are probably going to be developed over the week. Additionally, there's the effort to provide assistance for home for people so that they can't be evicted, both for people who are having trouble making their mortgage payments, as well as for people who are um, renting who can't pay their rent. Now, again, this relief is only coronavirus related. So if someone just isn't paying their rent or their mortgage for other reasons, my sense is that they probably could still be evicted, but or the home could be foreclosed on. But again, everything right now is so up in the air, not just with this package, but in general, that if you are having trouble with your rent, if you are having trouble with your mortgage, if you have been suffering from a financial impact from the coronavirus, this sure might be something that would help you out. So you're going to want to look at the details, again, that haven't been completely flushed out. We're, we're waiting to learn more. The student loan interest has been paused and student loan payments have been paused. And this was actually supposed to continue through September, according to the old package. 
but the president has now extended it through December instead. So if you have a student loan, you do not have to make a payment until the end of the year and your interest isn't accruing. So again, if you're having issues and difficulties, this is an opportunity to avoid making those payments. And then finally, this the um, executive action would put a stop to payroll taxes for people making $100,000 a year or less. So that if your salary is $100,000 or less, you don't have to pay payroll taxes. What are payroll taxes? They're Social Security and unemployment, both federal unemployment and state unemployment. So if you are talking to a CPA, you might hear them call it FICA, FUTA, and SUTA. FICA being um, the Social Security, FUTA being federal unemployment, and SUTA being state unemployment. So if you make $100,000 or less, those taxes are not owed right now. And I'm saying that in a very awkward way that I'm going to come back to in a minute, but they're not owed right now. So why is, why is this sort of problematic? Because it kind of sounds good on the surface. But the biggest problem is it's not actually possible to cancel those taxes. It isn't something that is an elimination, it's a deferral. So what I would recommend that we all do, because you know this is such a moving target, that everything will change, but if in fact you're going to have to pay the um, Social Security and unemployment tax back later, I would set it back now if you have any way you can do it. So if you get the check and the check has that money inside of it, you might lay it aside in a savings account, in a separate bank account, or a column if you keep your books like in QuickBooks or something like that, so that you would have the money available to pay back. Now, if you're struggling, absolutely use the money to keep your home, to keep your life running the way it needs to do. That's the whole reason this is being done. I don't really genuinely believe that there's an effort here to create a gotcha moment. But I'm also not sure, um, from things I've been reading today, things I've been hearing today, I'm not sure that you can actually just cancel payroll taxes. You can defer payroll taxes. So really pay attention to this last part. This is something that if you misunderstood it and you spent the money and then you had to pay it back, it could be really painful down the road. Obviously, this is something that I will continue to address in the shows. So if you'll listen to the radio show or you can listen to it as a podcast, I'm on both CastBox and iTunes. And the name of the podcast is Ask Peggy Doviak about your finances. So it's exactly this radio show. I post it every week that I have a new show onto the podcast. You can go ahead and listen to it if for some reason you missed the show live. So it will be interesting to see what happens. It's interesting to see whether or not a president actually has the ability to appropriate money. Typically that's Congress. I don't know that anything's going to happen to roll this back. 
What I suspect will happen is that Congress will go ahead and get its act together and they'll pass something. And I have a feeling what Congress passes may look quite a bit like this. That would solve the problem from the other direction. But no doubt, things are really interesting right now. At least there is the effort to get some relief. That is always a good thing. And as I know more details, I will share them with you. You need to listen to the news for yourself because right now, they're really nobody's fault. Everything is such a moving target that things change quickly. And it's always important to know what you can do and what you can't. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And in this segment, I want to talk about education funding. But before we get into the details, I want to talk about something that I started last spring that I'm going to go ahead and keep doing this fall. Last spring, when school ended at spring break and suddenly everyone was out for the rest of the year, I did a video clip every Monday that I called Money Mondays. And Money Mondays was originally supposed to be educational resources for parents if they were trying to look for something to help their kids pass the time, learn a little bit about finance, learn about coins. It's all sorts of different topics that I covered. And really, I think it was useful because at that point, everything had just kind of blown up. So now I think we have a better handle on what virtual learning is going to look like, but I still think that there's a possibility that parents are going to have more time for their kids than they know what to do with. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking about different online tools that you can use, different online resources that you can use. And then the second piece of Money Mondays just kind of happened over time. It almost became a legislative update, except it was a video. And as information was coming forward, as legislation was being passed, and as I was getting lots of questions from people, I started incorporating updates, information about things that had passed, information about resources that parents could use. I really think at the end of the day, that was almost as useful as the information for the kids. So Money Mondays is coming back. I don't think I'm going to do it as a Facebook Live event. I think I'm going to tape it. What I did with Money Mondays, in addition to having it on Facebook, was I created a YouTube channel called Ask Peggy. And so I'm going to go ahead and upload those videos every Monday. That way I can tape them during the week whenever I want to. And it will give parents something to do. It will also provide you with more information about legislation and tools that you may need to know. So Ask Peggy on YouTube, if you want to check it out, I think you might enjoy it. I'm going to go ahead and start doing it again because we're still here. Lots of kids are still home and life is anything but normal. However, life will be normal again someday. I promise. I don't know when, but I know that it's going to happen. And kids are going to go to college. 
I know that right now a lot of universities have started virtually. I know that some kids are going back. Some schools are still planning on having live classes. But college funding is a huge financial planning topic. And so I wanted to talk to you today in the realm of college being back in session, whether it's live or whether it's um, virtually, I thought it'd be a good time to talk to you about college funding. I want to start with a warning to people. I see this happen all the time. I have someone come in or a couple come in and they're doing all right, but maybe they've got some credit card debt. Maybe they haven't really saved an emergency fund or saved for retirement, but they really want to fund their child's college education. And what I'm going to tell you is the very best financial gift you can give your child is not paying for his or her college. It's your own financial stability. Because it's possible to borrow money to go to college and pay it back. But if you're not financially stable, this is a problem that over the decades can compound. So it's fine to fund college, but at least simultaneous to that, I hope you'll be saving an emergency fund. I hope you'll be saving for your retirement. You don't want to fund college if you're not doing those things. You also probably need to make sure you have enough insurance. You need health insurance. You need life insurance if something happens to you. You might need disability insurance. I, I think one of the things that I've come to realize over the last five months is how uncertain everything actually is. We think we have a handle on things and then suddenly, wow, we don't. And so doing some things to mitigate risk and insurance is risk transfer. So doing that is really important to your own financial stability. Additionally, if you're trying to get your financial affairs in order and you know you don't have enough money to totally pay for college for your child, remember that one of the best tools and gifts that you can give your child is teaching them while they're in high school that what they're doing during that four-year period will impact everything about how their college career goes. So maybe you can provide them with support so that they can study more than working at a fast food restaurant. Or you can help them pay some of their bills so that they can be involved in extracurricular activities. Because college entrance and scholarships have become a real contact sport. And it's very important that your child have great grades, have outside interests, have done community service if you're really trying to help them get into a good university and get some financial assistance. So you can do a lot to help them while they're in high school create a scenario where the college is more likely to pay for itself, but you have to start early. Now, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with taking more direct steps to help fund college education. And one thing you should look at is the IRS publication 970, that's 970. The name of that document is Tax Benefits for Education. You find it by going to irs.gov and typing in publication 970, and that brings up all different kinds of tools and strategies. It has the latest dollar amounts. 
It has the latest phase outs. Remember, all those numbers change every single year. So you have to have accurate, up-to-date data so that you can know what you qualify for. You might be able to get a tax credit. Two common tax credits are the American Opportunity Tax Credit and the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit. But there are some income levels there. Remember, a tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction in your tax liability that then is used to fund education. So if you get a $500 tax credit, that means you have $500 less in income tax. It's not like a deduction that comes off your income. A credit actually lowers your taxes dollar for dollar. That's why usually tax credits have income caps on them. So a lot of times people don't qualify, but it's really important to check it out because you might qualify and it would be a fabulous thing. You also can put money into a Coverdell Education Savings Account, an ESA, up to $2,000 a year. Again, there's income phase-outs, but I really like Coverdells. And what I like about Coverdells, especially if you've got a very young child, you have no idea what that child's going to do at the age of 18. With a Coverdell, that money goes in like a Roth, after tax, the growth is income tax free, but then it can be used for any qualified education expense, K through 12 plus college. So let's say you start funding a Coverdell when your child is six months old, and then by the time they're 16, you can pay for that football uniform, that band uniform, all of those expenses the kids come with in high school even if they're either not going to college or they've gotten a scholarship. If you don't use the Coverdell in high school, then it rolls to college into a college 529. 529 plans are probably the most common college funding vehicle. They're typically funded by a state. And generally, I think people are wise to use the plan that comes with their state because if you have state income tax and you use your state's 529 plan, you don't have to pay state income tax on the money you put in your state's plan. So in Oklahoma, you don't pay Oklahoma income tax on the money you put in a 529. There's no adjusted gross income component, so you don't have to worry about that. And when you fund a 529, that money can be used anywhere. So maybe you fund the Oklahoma plan and your son or daughter wants to go to school in Texas. It's not a problem. The money works. It's not prepaid tuition. Prepaid tuition, you're locked into an institution. 529 plans, you're not. Now, sometimes financial advisors will try to convince you that they should sell you a 529 plan from another state because it's so much better. Once in a while it is, but before you pay someone to sell you a 529 plan, I want you to go to your state's 529 plan first. Go to the website. It's not hard to set this up yourself. The investment choices are typically not complicated. And I'm not sure you need to hire somebody to help you with this. You can, you absolutely can hire someone, but you might want to look at it yourself first and then decide what you want to do. 
So welcome back to school, however it looks for you this year, and we'll just take it from here. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to a quick question for the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Today's question is, Peggy, I hear that this year I might be able to take a charitable donation. Is that true? And the answer is yes. As part of the CARES Act, even if you take the standard deduction, you're also allowed to take a $300 cash donation to a charity. The higher standard deduction numbers cause many people to be unable to itemize so they couldn't take the deduction. But the CARES Act changed that and you can take $300 cash to a charity. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.